So in today's episode, we piggyback off the first two podcasts. Recall that the first covered our overarching philosophy of appreciating context and objectives first before session content. The second podcast covered the three physiological targets that we tend to go after from any session, including the aerobic, anaerobic, and neuromuscular responses. And in today's podcast, we cover how to take those three physiological targets to form what we call hit types. We then learn how various training formats can be selected for each hit type to achieve those physiological objectives from most encountered contexts. Just a fair warning that in today's podcast is, by nature, somewhat complex. And as a result, having visuals for various parts can be helpful. So if you're in an audio-only format here, you may want to search for the video format later if you don't quite understand everything. Of course, even greater detail of all three podcasts is gained in our book and courses, which you can find on our website. Enjoy. Hello and welcome to the Training Science Podcast. I'm Paul Larson. And I am Martin Buscheid. And we're excited to be your hosts. Together, we're going to be exploring both the science of training and its application in sport. We've spent the last 20 years researching and applying the science at the coalface of high-performance sport, from elite clubs, professional athletes, and Olympic programs. But it's going to be here on the Training Science Podcast that we're going to take that experience and provide you with what my colleague Martin likes to call a no-bullshit approach to how we apply the science in the real world. And because the context always matters more than the content. So let's get into today's podcast. Okay, well, welcome back, everyone. We're here with episode three. um, I'm Paul Larson. This is Martin Bichette. And... um, in episode three, we're going to wrap up the Coles Notes version of hit science, ultimately. And we're going to talk about a bit about hit weapons and a bit about hit types. And just to really briefly review, episode one, got to go check it out. It's all about context, context before content. Episode two, we went over the physiological targets of hit. And we talked about the aerobic system, the anaerobic system, and the neuromuscular system. So if you haven't reviewed those yet, make sure you go back and check those ones out because they're pretty important aspects for understanding this episode, which will be the last one where we just really give that Coles Notes version of hit science. And um, yeah, we'll crack right into it, Martin. Let's talk about hit types. How do we take the information, mate, that we learned in episode two with the physiological targets and bring those into hit types? What are you talking about with these hit types? What the heck is that? Yes. So they are the types that are really related to those targets. And I think it's important to make the difference maybe as a way to define types, we can also talk about the formats, which is a way to separate things, I would say. So I might start with formats in a sense that formats are the typical intervals, drills or sessions. Like I'm performing a four minutes intervals, running at maximum aerobic speed or close to and having two minutes of recovery. That's a format. 15 on, 15 off on the bike. That's another format. So these are the actual drills. And the overall discussion we had for a while is that if you just think format, so it's actually content, you might lose the ability to understand if this format is actually well appropriated to the context. As funny as it can sound with what we've just been (laughs) talking about for hours now. So the idea is to bring the context back into the content, having an understanding about what are we looking for in terms of those physiological responses, 
both acutely and for the long-term adaptation. So in this case, rather than thinking, oh, maybe tomorrow we're going for this four minutes interval, maybe the question should be more, what are we looking for tomorrow within our microcycle context or whatever? And then in this case, then we bring the three targets in. So the session tomorrow, shall I aim for a high aerobic dose or not? Shall I aim for a lactate contribution or not? Shall I aim for a neuromuscular contribution or not? And it's asking yourself those questions, again, and the answer will be coming from the context, that will help you to understand what are you looking for and to, let's say, make things a bit simple. We just classify the combination between those three targets into heat types. As simple as it can be, or if it's not that simple, I'm sure we're going to be able to share as well online this uh, the figure that we already showed uh, on previous episode about starting with the context and, uh, and the different contextual factors that may help us to understand and to make a decision on what are the targets that we are looking for today. But we have classified, again, those combinations into six types. Mm-hmm. Martin, I'm just going to take initiative here. I'm going to try to... Uh share this screen with us here. So I will review this one for us and hopefully people can view this, but we've really, in episode one, we talked about the context and how critical that is. That's over here on that left side, that we're walking you through this busy roadmap because a lot of people find this quite, it is quite busy if you're looking at this for the first time. We just spent a whole episode talking about these different physiological targets and we color them actually in in hit science. Green is aerobic, red is anaerobic and black is neuromuscular. And you can see like, so here's a type four session Martin's gonna talk about here in a sec for a hit type four that you can really see those colors. This is all guns blazing. So it's aerobic system is engaged. The anaerobic system is engaged and the neuromuscular system is fully engaged in a type four type session. That could be many different things. But yeah, and it's like Martin's created this beautiful flow chart where you as a practitioner can can say, what am I actually looking for on this given day? For a session, do I want it to be aerobically metabolic? No, well then it looks like I'm going this way and I'm going down to these sorts of sessions over here. Do I want it to have it anaerobic metabolic? Well, yes. And you basically move it through. So Martin, take it away here because I'm dying here, but basically a flow chart of the type, then move over to the formats. Yes. And I think, again, it's back on the combination that are the most appropriated for the given day. And there's definitely some, some context or some occasions where you will definitely would like to use the, as we call it, the atomic bombs, and you want your athletes into this type four, which is a combination of the three and the three are, are high. In this context, it's probably something that you may use if you want to have a hard session. Again, team sport will be when you compensate for a game that the player has not played, you want him to, to compensate and to trigger all those mechanisms, for example. But the same player who's now just starting to get back on getting some metabolic pills after an injury, you probably don't want to use a format that is going to trigger his neuromuscular system because you don't want to overload him. So in this case, you would avoid the type two, for example. You would avoid the type four and the type five, which include a strong neuromuscular load. Yeah, absolutely. And again, according to the the roadmap here, well, you can actually, just to help yourself out, you can actually then go look to the format that's going to be your options. And you can see here, if you wanted to avoid 
the anaerobic system and the neuromuscular system and just have it aerobically engaged. Looks like we should go here with Martin's classic short intervals, a type of short interval that doesn't engage those. Yeah, and in this case, the formats come definitely after. So selection is what are we looking for? The heat types that is based on the targets and the combination of the targets. It's like a yes or no on those targets. And then there are certain formats that can only, let's say, if you look at sprint interval training, you're repeating 30 seconds all out. This format, because it's all out, it's going to be highly neuromuscularly taxing. And it's all, you just can't do anything against that. It's going to be anaerobic and it's going to be neuromuscular demanding. So this is the typical example of a type 5, and it can only be used for a type 5. Sprint interval training can only get you a type 5. But if you look at short intervals, as I said, that's my favorite tool, of course, because it's the most versatile format, because there's so much you can control and modify within short intervals. You can play around, I think we have another style around that. I think we have found almost 12 variables that you can actually act on to modify the acute responses during a short interval. So that comes from everything around the, the exercise side of the thing. So the intensity and the duration of the work period, the intensity and the duration of the recovery period, which are the main four, let's say, pillars when it comes to, to modulating the shape of those short intervals. But then you can, of course, also act on the number of repetition, the number of series, if you break them into one or a couple of series, what you do in between the series, also the modality of work. I was giving a lot of examples before when you were switching between running, cycling and, and, and other things or running uphill, downhill, these kind of things. So there's lots of things that can be manipulated with short intervals. And so back to the different types that we were commenting, because there's so many things that you can modulate using short intervals, you can use short intervals for the main four types from type one to type four. In this case, for type one, which is trying to minimize as much as possible the anaerobic contribution and also the neuromuscular load of that, you might find intervals that are short enough in duration so that they don't have, let's say, the time to trigger the anaerobic system. So likely only 10 seconds of work, 15 max. And you're going to try to find intensities of work that are not going to be too demanding for the neuromuscular system. So you might not be, of course, you won't be sprinting, for example. And in this case, you might use an active recovery to compensate for the lower intensity. And that's just an example. But this is the typical way where once you have understand the type, then you choose the format. And then further, you can adapt the format so that it fits to this type. And the same, let's say, 10-10 that is unlikely to be anaerobic and neuromuscularly demanding can be changed into a type 2. Let's say in this case, we keep the anaerobic contribution low, but we bring the neuromuscular contribution in in a type 2 in comparison with a type 1. And in this case, you might still do your 10-10, but you might just do it while changing direction that just increases the neuromuscular constraint. Or instead of running, you just do the 10-10, but lifting weights during those 10 seconds. So in this case, the neuromuscular constraint goes up directly. But you're keeping the same times for effort and recovery, which is likely to control your metabolisms, for example, and so on. So based on a lot of parameters that we can discuss in length, and there's, uh, I think, the full chapter... Chapter five. Four, five? Yeah. Five on that. 
and it's almost an ending process to match really the types. And again, some formats like the short intervals can be used to reach almost all types and others are way more restricted. Gave the example of sprint interval training, it's only type five. If you use long intervals, because of the length, it's likely to be lactic. So that will only be used the long intervals for the type three and the type four. And the small Sally games will likely to be always a little bit more muscularly demanding. So more likely type two and type four. Depending on the length of those in intervals with small solid games, you can still increase this neuromuscular load. So that can sometimes also be, uh, sorry, you can also decrease the neuromuscular load. So it can be a type three. But again, that's the right side of the chart. And again, to be, get back to my first point, if you were to start directly with the format, you might have a limited ability to really touch the targets that you're after. So it's really, the process has really have to be done from the left to right rather than as commonly seen from right to left. Yep, and I just want to interrupt there with, uh, like, again, back to the example, and we see this so often in many in the in, in the endurance context. Coaches will have a certain nail and hammer in their in their arsenal where it's just they're going to do VO two max intervals, and and when they call them VO two max intervals, they are they're really referring to a long interval. So that's kind of what they mean in our context. And that's their tool. And they'll use that on a certain day. That's their formula. But it's really limited. If that's all you've got in your arsenal, you can see that if you want to lower either the neuromuscular or if you want to at least lower the anaerobic component, which, as we know, is going to have a central nervous system carryover effect, you're really limited. So knowledge of how to change that up for a a similar but different short interval that's going to be less on, a, on an anaerobic load is really is really helpful. So um, yeah, again, this is what we teach in the in the book and course. So yeah, that's a great intro there, Martin. Um, tell us about the type six. That's a little bit of a of a stranger one down there. What are we classifying as type six? We haven't really spoke about that. Yeah, the, the type six. We almost added it as a way to be complete in the different types of session and high-end session that can be prescribed. But the type six does not include any proper metabolic component. So there is neither an anaerobic or strong aerobic or anaerobic contribution, like you would do a proper, pretty qualitative strength speed session with long intervals, long rest of recovery. So just about focusing on quality of execution and full, full intensity. So it's only targeting the neuromuscular system, but very low contribution of two other metabolic. It's not hit by definition, um, mm, is it? No, not really. But at least as we have it now, we have all the possible prescription on the same board, which I think it's, it's still important to have the, the full global picture. Mm-hmm. And we also notice on this figure here, we've got different, uh, looks like weapons. So we've got, um, we've called the formats weapons, haven't we? Why did we do that? Weapons, because it just depends how you place yourself as a coach or as an admiral, or depending on how, like the, yeah, you're just trying to hit those targets and... Hit the target with the weapon. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I think I, I, there was back back to the reviews. I think that, that some of the <laughs> that was even one of the battles we had was was keeping the reference to the Navy SEALs and the Rambo in the in the paper, which I think it remained. 
I, I think we kept it in there, but uh, the academics didn't want that in the paper as well. But that was the analogy that we really wanted. We thought it was gold and they, uh, they didn't. So yeah, it's like, yeah, you've got your targets, you use a weapon to hit those targets, but you want to be a little bit you don't want to be going in all guns blazing with weapons of mass destructions or type fours. You want to have, you want to be a little bit more like Rambo, a little bit more like a Navy SEAL, a little stealth going in there and just only hitting the target that you want to hit on that given day. And that's the power of this system. That's the power of knowing how the tools of hit actually work. And there's a lot of, there's a lot of them there, but it's not too bad once you grasp these things, right? So here's all of the different levers and whatnot that can can be used to form those weapons. Martin's gone over those. It can be 12 different ones, but they're all at your disposal as a practitioner to go in there and, and manipulate to achieve your objective, your, your physiological target for the session. I think just to add your point on the story with the different weapons and the mass destruction weapons, and if you want to, let's say, get a boost or get your aerobic conditioning dose, whatever those weapons you use, you might be successful because all those from one to five at different levels will actually trigger your aerobic system. So if you only see heat as a way for an anaerobic and aerobic oxidative conditioning, you can use all the, all your weapons, all your formats, you'll be fine. But with mass, as with mass detriction weapons, you have collateral damage. And this is where we are back to our idea of the concurrent training and bringing back this specific heat session into the context of your microcycle and so on. And this is probably, I guess this is for me, the, the biggest value of, of this approach is considering more than just the session itself. See what I mean? Of course, oh, huh? that is, it's not only about the metabolic conditioning in this case, it's about considering the collateral damage or even the damage, but just it's more than just the aerobic conditioning. Yeah. And what I've been reflecting on is that um, that classic paper by um, Ross Tucker and Malcolm Collins in um, British Journal Sports Medicine. And basically they give this overview and why this stuff is kind of important as we get more and more specialized and more and more intelligence kind of comes into to programming to try to prepare our athletes is the athletes that get prepared the best, they stand the best, best chance to perform well. I mean, this is really what the Training Science Podcast is all about. Is we're, we're trying to, I guess, share what we know about training to optimize and get you guys to, um, the listener, to bring your own training up to um, a potentially higher standard and knowing all these little tricks allows you to do that. I'll, I'll put the figure in there, but basically it's it's a figure where it's showing that you can have a given athlete on a day that has more genetic potential, but they're not prepared as well. And they could in fact be beaten out by someone that is prepared better, but with less genetic potential. And it's really where we stand as practitioners, coaches, we stand the ability to um, to really be impactful in our profession with our jobs. We can be the difference if we do this right. So this is a tool to help you do that right, I believe. Yep. And maybe I can give you another idea of where having this tool can be very helpful, especially if you work, for example, in a multidisciplinary team, team sport again, could be a couple of conditioning coaches, some physios involved in the work with the athletes. I think, again, as the role as a 
whatever, it's a performance manager or just someone that is overseeing the conditioning aspect at some stage for even more for individual players. Especially if we are talking about the planning and the microcycle level, again, we're back to for this given day, for this given player in this given context, it's likely a type two that is required. That's something that probably everyone can agree on, whether it be the physio, the coaching coach or whoever. Because again, this relates to the dynamic of this puzzle at the microcycle. Okay, it's a type two today. But once this decision has been made, the actual practitioner that is going to deliver the session, that's his decision then to turn every 30 or, or 10 meters to do 10 or 15 seconds of work or like the second level of fine tuning the weapon. That doesn't really matter. Does he integrate the ball or not? I would say as long as we are into the right physiological objective, the actual format and the way the session is delivered matters way less and it's actually way better than the practitioner that is in charge itself does it the way he wants and like and has experience with. While if we are starting again the other way, three person talking about a given player, again, physio, performance manager, conditioning coach, physio will start, ah, I want to do a 15-15. No, I want to do long intervals. No, I want to do this drill with the ball. Why the drill with the ball will be better or worse than the 15-15 on the grass? There's completely no objective reason why we should use one format rather than the other. However, it's easier to get together and decide on a type, which is related to the objective. And we're back on that. So I'm back to saying the same thing I was saying before, but the example of working together, making decisions, it's easier on types than on format. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I'm going to branch off on another tangent, but that's kind of related. And this is... If I can speak openly, this is about one of my athletes, Andy Busher, who's he's an elite triathlete. He's one of the top uh, Ironman triathletes in the world. And I've got this idea from one of our contributors in the cross-country skiing, Oyvind Sandback, and he allowed me to review a thesis on the most successful cross-country skier in the world. Merit, I forget her last name, but, but it was, I remember in the thesis, one of the coolest things was the transition of this athlete as they went from, they went through their life and they started with basically as a junior with a basic plan, here's what you're gonna do. And obviously she's got great talent, so she's making progress. Her second coach, we got another similar sort of approach and she followed that. But the last coach that she had in her latter days, she was most successful with, because he taught her about the different objectives. He taught her, he basically gave the various different objectives for the for the week, say for example, but it was up to her to know where to put those things in there. It was up to her to decide where to put those things in there. And this is where Andy, who's like, a, you know, he's a 38 year old triathlete. This is where we're working towards for him as well. So he's, I'm giving him the sessions, giving him the physiological object- objectives. But because we're on different sides of the world, he needs to have a really have a, a great appreciation for his own context and know his objectives. And again, using his experience, be able to apply those on the given day. And of course, many athlete, you know, athletes get that way anyways. But it's, it's just a, with the athletes that I'm coaching with, that's really what I'm trying to do now is I'm really trying to teach them. I'm really trying to teach them the various different objectives and how to, how to shift and move these things themselves because I think it's the most, um, the most empowering and the best way forward. You agree, though? Yeah, I can't agree more. I just can't agree more. <laughs> it's perfect. Well, it hasn't been an overnight thing. It's been a, been a bit of a process, right? So um, 
Okay, buddy. Well, I think it's been short and sweet this one, but we've talked. um, These are the key things that we've generally talked about here in this podcast and our overarching philosophy and everything that's really within hit science. And that's first and foremost, that as we always say, context drives the content. The second point is that you need to determine those physiological objectives or your targets. Martin's done a great job of explaining how we use those physiological targets to form our hit types. And then last but not least, you can choose your weapon and uh, adjust your variables accordingly. So the weapons, remember, are the formats. So the formats should match. They should match the physiological hit types. Anything further to add on that, Martin? Exactly. And it's really, as you said, the overarching philosophy. And uh, even though, like, you know, we've been giving also lectures and about the topic and it always seems a little bit complex uh, at the start because it's we're kind of bringing new terminology there's something that that was not here before hit science no one was talking about those types so there's of course a little bit of, of exercise but the feedback we have now from people having used this model and it's it's great you know sometimes i visit i consult clubs and other and i could hear people talking okay we are all on type one and type two this week so you could see that once You've digested the terminology, for sure that brings uh, more, that just improves the flow and the functioning and the programming. Yeah, absolutely. So I think we're going to leave it there. This is pretty much the, this is the end of our intro section to Hit Science and the Training Science Podcast. And we're going to branch out now in further podcasts and we're going to start talking a little bit more uh, to I guess our network of colleagues that are working in the trenches or doing really cool things, but it's all going to relate back to this. And we will often revisit the podcast one, two, and three here. So I hope you enjoyed these. It's been a pleasure delivering them. And uh, as always, we love your feedback. Martin, thank you as always. No, a pleasure. And um, I think last point on, on that and what's coming next, as you said, we're pretty excited to have uh, our friends, colleagues network interviewed. We're not going to, to talk only about HIT, of course. You know, it's really about understanding their training philosophies, it's going to be about how they understand, again, the contextual factors and, and how they, they just plan things together. We're going to talk also about the, their vision about the science and the stuff that we talked in the episode one about how much science they use in, in their training. So it's going to be more than the core of it science. That's why we call this podcast the Training Science Podcast, and it's not the only the heat science podcast. I think that's an important point to make as well. Yep. And the final thing um, that I'll mention there is that, uh, and this is you know from your leadership there, Martin, you said to us all is that we need to kind of show our no bullshit approach to training. So no fluff and... Yeah, this is the way it actually is getting done at the coal face. Yes, yes, <laughs> has to be. And requesting, uh, as you said, feedbacks, it's really around that, about discussing the true things. Like for listeners to listen that with the BS filter on, definitely. That's our aim. Absolutely. So let us know how we did there. And yeah, go well in your own training. And till next time. See you guys. Thank you. Hey there, training science enthusiasts. If you like what you just heard, be sure to follow us on Instagram and Twitter at HitScience to keep up with our latest. And if you want to take your knowledge to the next level, visit our website to check out our full online course and textbook on the science and application of high-intensity interval training. Now, if you're a university, club, or sports organization, we've got special packages available for you and your team. 
just contact us at info at hitscience.com. And if you want to join our evolution as a field and take your application even further, be sure to check out the Hit Science Technology platform, Athletica. Visit athletica.ai or follow us on Instagram and Twitter at athletica underscore AI. Thanks for listening.